0: Fading Memories is sponsored by I'm Up. I'm Up is an app that gives you independence, security, and peace of mind. Find it in your favorite app store and use invite code 006 when you sign up. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. I have to admit, I know nothing about long-term care insurance. I know my dad looked into it many, many years ago and determined that it was too expensive. I honestly don't know if that's because of the age they were at the time, mom's health issues, his health issues. To be perfectly honest, I'm clueless. So when today's guest came on my radar, I knew I had to talk to him for myself and to share it with all of you. And that's what today's episode is all about. So without further ado... With me today is Tim King. He is an independent, non-captive financial educator, and we connected on LinkedIn, and he's going to help talk us through our options with long-term care insurance, because there's a lot of new products that we should be interested in, especially for people who are, it's something I probably should look into for myself, it's too late for mom, so thanks for being with me, Tim
1: nice to be here thanks for having me blessings
0: so we started a brief conversation on linkedin about um, long-term care insurance which i know my parents looked at that i don't know i think they were probably in their early 50s which is probably too late and my dad deemed it too expensive and so Mm. they never did that now Mm. fortunately with my mom we've rented out her home and her social security and investments that my dad had. Yes. Um, we get money from those every month and that takes care of her quite well in the, uh, care residence. Mm. So I think we're okay. My husband says we're okay. I always worry about money, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's a personality thing.
1: Well, it's, it's really not a personality thing. It's, it's an age thing. Well, most people, um, as you get older, the number one concern of people who are retirement age, which is traditionally around this time, it's around 65 to 70, is that their number one concern is how much money do they have? Do they have enough money? And will they outlive their money? will was will they run out? Um, as far to say, it's like every month, you know, you need the money to live do I have enough of that saved up every month? And these are, a couple, these are the two things that we focus on when people come and sit down with me and we do a consultation. I do all my um, services are actually free. I do not charge my clients, my potential clients, any um, consultation fees, any uh, broker fees, or any management fees because I don't put them in. Um, I'm not a traditional firm. Um, my number one objective is to ed- dedicate myself to ensure that every family is not left behind um, by the introduction of the financial concepts um, for middle-class families that are typically overlooked by the um, traditional financial firms. We're not, I am not a traditional firm. I am a movement, not a establishment. And um, we are dedicated in the fact that we're trying to and we are changing the way that financial services is distributed in this country. Um, I can reach out to all 50 states. I'm not limited by geographic. I have no uh, geographic limitations. I can also do business in Canada and Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So that's the coverage that our, our firm is going international and um looking for other other venues to um, go out, reach out to other countries as well as soon as we can set that up.
0: That sounds like a good challenge. And I do have listeners in Canada, mm-hmm. so that will benefit them as well. I just did a, yeah. a conversation with a gentleman yesterday from, it's going to slip my mind now. Um, Alberto, Alberta, uh, Alberta, I believe mm-hmm. it's in the middle in the mountain mountain time zone. That was always fun. so you told me earlier there's different options nowadays. Yes so what let maybe start with what people might be the most familiar with, which is long-term care insurance. I have no, no idea actually how that works, how it I have no details. I just know that that's an option.
1: Well All in, um, I would like to start out by telling people why it's important. Um, to have long-term care and because people in there usually in their 20s and 30s aren't really looking at that <laughs> because they have other concerns because they're you know they're in that established mode they're just getting out of college and they're starting families and they're buying things and they're accumulating things and they're not thinking about during the later years when life starts taking things away from you That's true. That's mode. Um, and that's what you're supposed to be focused on you're supposed to be raising focus on raising your children raise and you know, growing your family and ensuring, and also with one eye on the future. Um, and this is what we sit down and actually have a plan, because if you want to go from somewhere to go to somewhere else, usually people don't fold out, take out a fold-out map like I used to when they were younger. And when I was their age, now they have GPS. Well, you have to know how to get there. So if you want to get there and in your latter years, I sit down and give you that GPS map, because I'm about leverage. My business is leveraging and I like to leverage whatever I can to ensure that my clients get the best of what the industry has to offer. Because I work with 300 different companies, 50 of them are um, insurance companies and I'm have that flexibility of being non captive so I can give them the best of what the industry has to offer, not just one company. So not every, one size does not fit all. And so everybody has different needs, wants, and desires. And we try to match them up with the best of what the industry has to offer as opposed to just one company trying to fit everybody in just one, one category. Makes so sense. So I like that flexibility. But to the heart of the matter is the reason why we do these things. And I have a business partner who had um, her mother as well, um, did have long-term care. But still, um, at that time, it was probably in its infancy when she purchased it. And, and things evolve just like everything else. Things get better over time. And at the time, she, it was still a struggle. She had two brothers, and she was the one that was dedicated to helping her mother full-time. And with that struggle, she has turned her life. Um, she was working for the um, county as a HR for the police department, and she said, this is not serving people. I went through all of this. And she got introduced to this business through her son, was actually involved in, a, in the business first. And she went along because he was kind of young. So we ensured that we wanted to speak with the mother. If they're under 21 years old, we make sure that they, we speak to the parents because they're their biggest influence. And we wanted to make sure that she was comfortable with him going into the business. Well, she saw the business and joined right away. <laughs> because she had, we, we told her what, the concepts of what we were doing here. She'd already been through that already with her mom and it was a struggle and thank god that they had some relief they had some money coming in from long-term care but it was still a struggle it's not just um the 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 care facility it's the time it's it's time because all the time that you have to take care of your loved one instead of putting in a facility you're taking on that task one-on-one and it pulls away from you emotionally, economically and socially it takes away from you. So that toll, we, we have these um, vehicles in place, where we can actually set you up where you can get some relief because over time, um, we're talking about the care and needs of people that need 24 seven care.
0: Which that you happens. Be,
1: you can't be there 24 seven. It just is physically and mentally impossible. So, and it's, Expensive to hire somebody because Medicare does not cover long-term care. No,
0: they long-term do not.
1: Medicare is, is different from medical care. Long-term care is the feeding and the, the bathing and the transference and um, clothing and, and all that feeding and everything. And it's taking care, you know, and mentally you have to keep them engaged. And, and you know, it's a fine line between... Doing that every day and then seeing somebody that you love deteriorate, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. And listening to her tell that story and she had no help. Her brothers would not help. And, you know, it was just unfortunate that she had to take that on. Plus, she's, she had little kids. She has two boys that were young at the time that she was taking care of her mom and she passed like three years ago.
0: Yeah, that happens to a lot of people. My sister has school-aged children. My -hmm. niece is 13 and my nephew will be 10 later this um, late spring. And she works full-time. My daughter's 27 Mm -hmm. and I work, I'm self-employed. So I have more flexibility and I don't have kids at home you know, and kid activities that seem to suck up every last second of your time.
1: <laughs> they um, do, and that's the that's the thing. Is like we, she had her kids exactly what you're saying. She was raising her kids and taking care of her mom at the same time, and it it took a toll on the marriage too. I mean, they, they're still together. Um Her husband's a wonderful guy. I've met him several times, and he's an architect, and um, we have some things in common. Um, I'm a, I was an engineer before I got into this business. I was an engineer and a paralegal. And so I had that in common with them. We had that love of like building something out of nothing, and um, I had that background. And they're they're a wonderful couple, and they're still together this day. But it is a challenge. It is a challenge. And to stress the importance, seventy um, percent of people are sixty five or older have a very important need and use long. are going to need long term care sometime in their lifetime. Because since um, the census in 2010, the rate the growth of people that are 65 and older have grown 30 percent since um, in the last 30 years or 10 years has grown 30 yeah. percent.
0: That's thanks so, to my generation. We're not that big. No,
1: I mean the baby boomers are the largest. Um, it's the largest population explosion in the country in its history. Uh, the baby boomers. Um, you've gone from so from 1946, 40, yeah 46 to 1964 at 78 million people. That's a lot. It's a lot of people at one time in a, in a short time frame. So what you're talking about there is um, you're you're talking about a generation that is moving towards that age where they're since two, um, 2011 you're starting to see them retire. And then now this year or last year, was it, they're starting to turn 70. So the rest of them that weren't retired before because of certain economic challenges, they're retiring now. So the latter of them are starting to retire. So more people are retiring every day. I think it's something like 65,000 people a day. Wow. That's a lot. A day are retiring somewhere around in there, 50,000 people a day.
0: It's kind of scary thinking about retiring at 70 or even, 75 listeners yeah. will know. I actually have a grandmother that will be 101 years old in mm-hmm. like four and a half weeks. Nice. And, and her. yeah. Her. And she's, she's, she's on her own. I don't, I really? don't think she, yeah, she should not be. She's mostly blind from glaucoma oh. mentally and physically. She's fine. Okay. Um, but you know, at 101, everything is a little harder because your body slows down and yeah. she gets concerned that people fixing things on her house are going to rip her off, which is not an unreasonable concern. Mm,
1: it happens all the time.
0: Yeah. So I know that she would probably, she would love the services involved with an assisted living residence because there would always be somebody, to take care of her needs and her wants, and I think she'd relish in that. I think some assisted living residences need to have like small cottages where they, you know, instead of just apartments, because she's lived in a home forever. Mm-hmm. For, seriously, at almost a yeah, hundred one, she's, she's lived in
1: home her whole life, and even at her extended age, she's still she's still living on her own. Yes. She has nobody. I mean, I'm sure she has friends that come around.
0: Um, She does have a friend that drives her around. My aunt brings leftovers and food that she can put in the microwave because the stove is, I think, let's see, we're talking about night. So the stove is like 45 years old and I think only two burners work.
1: Well, she's blind,
0: so... Yeah, it's not, stove is not really a good option for somebody mm-hmm. in her yeah. case, but, you know, I look at that, and I think, so she's, I'm 52, she's almost 101. You know, it's it's like, well, it's hard to know that you'll have that enough money. Into
1: the need, because exactly. like I said over the past, since 2010, the um, life expectancy has grown 30 years. Um, so we're living longer, and with that, that age and, and, and health concerns as you, old, as you age because, you know, we're living longer, um, as you stated. There's, there's um, some options that you have for long-term care. Now, long-term care takes care of, um, if you have a critical illness, you have a chronic illness or terminal illness um, or a disability, if you lose two of the six daily functions, again, bathe yourself, clothe yourself, transference, incontinence and feeding yourself. Did I say that correctly?
0: We got feeding, clothing,
1: clothing, bathing, transference, like going from the bed to the bathroom or to the kitchen or whatever, and incontinence and going out and about the six daily functions that you need in life. If you lose two of those, then you're eligible to receive the long-term care. Now, how it works is it works basically this way. When you first get it, um, Versus before, it used to be kind of expensive. It was because it was new. But now there is so many people that are buying into these plans and they've gotten the the products have gotten better over time. We have some companies that will you won't have to pay on for the long term care rider that's attached to your policy until you start to till you need it. But the way it works traditionally is um, at the beginning, whatever your target is, whatever they they say your death benefit, that's called a target, and it whatever that long term care portion will be taking out of that death benefit until you pay. Um, depending how you set up your plan, you'll pay for that until the cost of the insurance contract is paid up, and it goes back, and then you don't pay on it anymore until you start the withdrawal until you actually need the long-term care, then it starts coming out. And traditionally it used, it went along, it was an extra payment, which usually the insurance is somewhere between the cost of the insurance is in between 1% or one, between 1% 1 and 2%. So say that over a lifetime that you're paying for a policy, say you put in like $48,000 uh, over a lifetime, and then you might get a benefit of maybe $2 million depending on how it's set up and, and what and what you needs and wants are and how you want you know how much you're paying for the insurance and it's and it varies for everybody because it goes by your health, uh, your health history and um, your medical need and if you qualify to do it because if you're too far gone, if you haven't been taking care of yourself throughout the years, it's a little bit more expensive. And your age. It depends on your age. And uh, you have to qualify medically and financially. Because they're taking on a big risk. If you're taking on long term care as an older person, it's gonna be very expensive. Mm -hmm. But if you start doing it and pay for it in your 20s, it's less expensive and your payments never increase. With our strategies that I use, your payments will never increase. Your death benefit will rise because level's the devil. Just put it that way. That's just like we don't do level. And I don't do term whole, I don't do whole life because that's the most expensive insurance that you can possibly buy. And with most companies that people don't understand about whole life is that, yeah, they'll give you the death benefit, but all that cash accumulation that's attached to it goes back to the company, usually traditionally. And when we pay out, you have a uh, cash accumulation benefit and the death benefit, and that gets paid to you tax free.
0: That always sounds good. And we share
1: with our clients, um, how that happens and if they're interested in finding them that out they can contact you or contact me basically and we can go over that and sit down and see what your goals needs wants and desires are and how much we can work with everybody's budget it's not like oh well i can't do this and i can't do that and i said well it's um you're either going to pay for it now or you're going to pay big time later and those bills are catastrophic that's the number one reason for bankruptcies is medical health care. Yep. Long-term health care. And because, like I said earlier, Medicare does not pay for long-term care. It's not cover it. Medicare does not cover long-term care.
0: No, it would bankrupt Medicare probably in a month Days easily. Days. Yeah. I was trying to think maybe a month, a week. It wasn't Days. quite
1: sure. <laughs> There's many people that are in that need and, and, and actually needing long-term care. That's why the debate on having universal healthcare, Yeah, that's fine and good and I'm all for it, but you are still going to need life insurance and people think that life insurance is death insurance. It's not. Um, we share with our clients that it's a vehicle that actually can has many, many applications. We call it the Swiss army knife of insurance. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you can either do, um, what I like to do is long-term care is is great, but I've come to find that um, we have another one that's called um, a term LB or IUL LB. When that LB stands for living benefits, and living, living benefits is a little bit more flexible. Um, there's some implications. Some people don't want a professional coming into their house. They want a string. They don't want strangers coming into their house. With the a, with the um, LB living benefits, you can designate somebody that's living in the house to be the caregiver, and they will still pay out. It's a little bit more flexible. And with the term uh, with the long term care, you have to get somebody who's licensed to come in and care for that person. Uh, they're kind of like stringent on that. They're kind of like rigid on that that aspect. So what? Um, but both vehicles are good, just based on the needs and wants of the of the client. When they, what their preferences is. So we try to make it as flexible as possible.
0: So with the living benefits, either your loved one has to be in your home or you have to be in theirs. You don't yeah. have
1: to be, okay. but people, some people don't like the idea of strangers coming into their house.
0: Right. We'll be having
1: a, a professional come into your house or put you in a um, um, home because like you were stating before, when you, when you we spoke before on LinkedIn, you were paying um, twenty eight thousand um, dollars. No, you were paying more than that. You were paying twenty eight dollars an hour.
0: Yeah, when my dad was on hospice, we had twenty four seven caregivers for both parents, so it was twenty eight dollars an hour times twenty four hours was like seven hundred and twenty or thirty dollars. Can't do that kind of math in my head. <laughs> so you figure, well, yeah, here. You so can, um, let me help you out. It's over $20,000 a month. I can tell you that much. Yeah,
1: exactly. So yeah. you're doing uh, 28. And that was, that how was, many hours, I mean, how many hours on average was that person working?
0: Oh, we had, uh, three, three people a day for eight hours each. Wow.
1: Yeah. $28 an hour for 24 hours.
0: Yes. And some of them were worth every penny, and some of them were not worth <laughs> worth the pennies. <laughs> they were worth pennies. Yeah, it's just well,
1: and well, unfortunately, that's what happens.
0: And what the thing that I found with people coming into my parents' home when, as I said, when my dad was on hospice, is I was responsible in some respects. They were through a company, um, and the company had an app, so I would get. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of each person's shift, I would get a notification of their, their report. And then, well, then I would get another notification that so-and-so is on their way. That was me. email
1: or text message.
0: It was through a, an app. app. So I would get like a notification on my phone. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those reports were not pretty medically. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was diabetic and not on dialysis anymore. So anybody that's experienced some of that, I'm not going to go into details. My dad went through that, yeah. Gross?
1: <laughs> it is. I've sat with him um, while he's doing this, you know, and I fed him. Um, he had um disability based on, um, we found out after the autopsy, after he passed, that it was through Agent Orange. Oh, wow. It really debilitating organs is actually breaks down organic matter. It was basically what it does. It's the same thing that that young, that man that was a um, groundskeeper had won um, his suit against Monsanto because he was dealing with uh, Roundup. And yeah. actually what Agent Orange is, is like Roundup on steroids,
0: basically. Yeah, that's not good stuff.
1: Yeah, so that's why he died. And um, watching him and sit through that that process of um, dialysis is, you know, it's, it's unnerving. It's just not comfortable to watch.
0: No, I was present for a couple of sessions with my dad and for anybody who deals with someone that's diabetic, who's on dialysis, Mm -hmm. the taking the blood out and cleaning it and putting it back in, it actually deprives your brain of some oxygen, obviously not completely. We did not, we were not aware that my dad was having cognitive issues Mm -hmm. until literally we thought his memory went back to 1998
1: overnight he starved his brain over time.
0: Yeah. And he didn't eat right despite his diabetes and he was on lots of medications. So the, the poor guy had a toxic.
1: Seems like blood. it's a universal thing with people are diabetic and you tell them you got to do this and you got to do that. And then people by their nature, you tell them they can't have something. They still want it more.
0: <laughs> I've met two kinds of diabetics, people who are extremely militant and, do the diet and nutrition and all everything to the letter and the ones that just feel like "Eh." my dad's my dad's theory was I'm going to eat what I want and die happy and (laughs) that's listening that does not work trust me it was not Mm. a pretty end and it took a lot longer than the doctors thought and Uh, it was not good but it's
1: unfortunate
0: I've talked to people who who were they're shocked that we didn't we weren't aware of cognitive impairment. Looking backwards now, with hindsight, yeah, we all There's- know
1: more on the hindsight on, in the back end. We always learn from what we do, and we can't be hard on ourselves about it because we're not trained for this. We no. don't brought up to, to know about what this. Then you're learning as you go, and um, with anything else, is like we didn't know. Actually, we thought it was just the diabetes that was affecting. But we didn't understand that it was the Agent Orange that was actually depleting his body. Yeah, that's probably not and a... and was, was causing a, the diabetes, actually.
0: Oh, well, that makes sense because obviously the kidneys aren't working properly.
1: Because it, it breaks down anything that's organic. And so when we talk about, when you mentioned earlier about cost, um, you were saying it was $28 an hour, 24-7. That equates out to about fifty eight dollars to $60,000 a year. Now, I don't know anybody out there that's listening that has an extra $60,000 <laughs> lying around to take care of, you know, even with what you said that they had it's like they had some stocks and stuff. they had some, um, uh, they had some something that some dividends they can cash in. Um, but the cost of home health care aid services is, is around 47,000, over seven 47. five. Adult daycare is about twenty five thousand. Assisted living's about forty four thousand. Um, Semi private um, nursing home is eighty two thousand yeah, dollars.
0: I think your I think That's your figure on assisted living is low because my mom's rent and care I think is it just went up a little bit, so it's between fifty six and fifty seven hundred dollars a month. So I can't multiply. Well, let's see. That's over. What is that's that? That's
1: sixty-seven thousand dollars a year.
0: Okay, I was I was like, am I adding a zero? Because I don't think it was that much. But yeah, it's, it's a lot. And that covers. a year. That covers probably ninety percent of her expenses because there's haircuts. Um, mm-hmm. We do pay for her, and you still have to see the dentist.
1: You still have to go see and get your eyes checked. You still have to go. I mean, and that's all extra. Mm -hmm. That's all extra. And then the private nursing home. I don't know how many people I'm sure um, people around here in this area, because I live in Silicon Valley, um, private nursing home is $93,000 a year. That's a lot of money. Now, when you're talking about cost, that's, the average and you're talking about the average claim on long-term care is somewhere almost four years on average. So 90, 92,000 times four. And that's what you're looking at. Now I don't know anybody that has that much stowed away.
0: That's that's getting but, close to half a mil,
1: you know? Yeah. I can do I mean, that math. <laughs> yeah. So that's four years at $92,000 a year think about that and some people like you said your dad lasted longer than everybody expected to what if they go five years
0: well my mom let's see we've got she's three weeks shy of two years in the memory residence she just turned 76 last month Mm -hmm. her mother lived till 91 and as i said my paternal grandmother is almost 101 i fear my mother will live to 91 because (laughs) you fear (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> oh, you haven't you haven't spent the afternoon with her. Oh uh, well. well it's, yeah. It's, it's a challenge. It's true. But uh, we you know, um I don't know that long term care would have lasted as long as she probably will. No. Uh, well, it'll pay
1: out for life. I mean, it'll pay out and even after Isis they still take care of it. It's not like you're gonna ever run out of the the the, the coverage. You know, because okay. they still pay it out. Um, they keep a portion of it for the death benefit because they have to, because it's an insurance company. Um, it's, it's an insurance vehicle. And for order to keep staying an in insurance vehicle, they have to set aside a portion for the death benefit or else it'll turn into a MEC and then they're like, okay, well then you have to start paying tax. There's tax applications for that. Um, yeah. And so it doesn't tr- it's not an insurance thing. It's, it's, a, it's a contract agreement and it doesn't turn into, it turns into something else. So we don't, um, there are safeguards against how much that you can get paid out, but they keep paying on whatever it is that you were covered for until that person passes.
0: Because they're with medicine, the way it is, the neurologist, mom's neurologist was saying, well, you know, Alzheimer people living with Alzheimer's are living longer because we take care of all the underlying issues like, you know, cholesterol and heart disease and whatever. And I thought, okay, that's not necessarily a plus because my mom never wanted to be the way she is and Mm -mm. she didn't want to be a burden on my sister and I. Nobody wants that. No, she didn't want to live in a memory residence, although where she's at is very nice. She's got a friend that she hangs with. I think they sometimes get each other a little bit worked up (laughs) mentally because neither one of them remembers their husbands are gone. So there's always fussing about, you know, well, my husband's coming back and I don't know when he's coming. Oh my gosh. It's like, mm.
1: (laughs) and that's part of the thing with um, taking care of a loved one when you have no coverage. It's like, we were talking about, you have raising your kids. um, Even as you're older, I mean, kids are, you know, that's the most critical time is those teenage years, right before they go off to college or they go off on their own, whatever they're going to do in life. Those are critical years, and that determines which direction. I mean, it starts from the first day they go. They get they learn something um, in the home or whatever. But those critical those they making their own decisions because they're hardwired at thirteen years old. don't yeah. know what they don't really know what they're doing, but they know what they want to try to do.
0: That's and true. As
1: long as they get that encouragement, they have their own way, and you're supposed to nourish that. And that takes away in caring for an elderly person, like you said, it's twenty four seven. That kind of takes away from your quality of life as a parent.
0: It does, and I've talked to people who have extreme guilt because they feel like their teenage and young adult children are the one getting shortchanged because a person with Alzheimer's or dementia, they don't realize they're being so demanding. It's like they're, they're done with their shower, come get me now. I mean, everything is immediate. You, you know, you might be on the phone or you might be in the bathroom yourself and they, I, Hey, I need help getting up. Cause
1: you have to time everything, you know, it's a, it's a process. You have to learn. You have to time. You can't cook while you're taking care of them. You can't do that. You can't like, okay, I have to, I can't concentrate on doing this. You can't be doing critical tasks. Let's just put it that way. You can't do critical tasks while you're caring, personally caring for somebody so that's why it takes that burden off of you to have somebody dedicated twenty-four-seven for that person's needs, wants.
0: Even if you just have somebody for eight hours so that you can do yeah, work from
1: twenty-four hour care. It's what, it'll be based on what the need is once the ti- once that time comes when you want to access the long term care portion of that of the of the strategies that
0: you might want to take, whatever that might be. Um just- Would it be more affordable if somebody were like my dad always thought mom would just come live with me and Mm. my daughter did not move out until literally a month before he died. Mm. There was no way I was going from dealing with her to dealing with my mom being my husband and I are both self-employed. So that's not even an option. I figured
1: self-employed people don't have anything. You'll be surprised how many, um, high income earners, let's say high income is, uh, 250,000 and above. Um, that's the, that's the top 5% of of the population. So, and you'd be surprised, um, some of those people that are sole business owners like yourself, and they're bringing in that much money, how little personal, um, protection they actually have because they've set themselves up. Okay. Well, this business is my nest egg. And then when I built up the business enough, when I get ready to retire, I'll just sell it. And that's what I'll live off of. That's every most of people's plans because that, they, and other than that, they don't have anything. You'd be surprised. I mean, just because somebody makes a lot of money doing certain things, doesn't mean they know everything about money.
0: That's and
1: true. in order for you to win and any, like you play any sports or play any board games or anything like that. And if you're competitive, you know that you have to follow some rules. Because the person that knows the most rules usually wins. Because if I come and play with you at a game that you're good at and I don't know the rules, you're going to win every time. That's true. And if you play sports that you have to know the rules of the game or you're going to get penalized, and you're always trying to catch up. So nobody sits down and teaches us, especially in school where it ought to be taught, and there's only four states in the union that teaches financial literacy. And so there's abundance of people out here, especially in the high tech, they make a lot of money but they put their nest egg in a company that will fire them at will for any reason because there's no unions and they put their trust in that company to collect their nest egg and produce for them. I don't understand that concept, how you can let somebody that can fire you at any time, be the entity that that sets up your retirement plan I have an issue with that, but you know, everybody's, everybody's different. So when I talk to people, I say, look, when I explained to them what I just told you, everybody has needs and wants and desires that are different, but we all know that we're going to need some money after we stop working. That is true. People just don't want to retire. I say, well, that's fine. But at a certain point you're going to say, what's next. You're going to get tired of doing that. After you've been somewhere for 40 years, you're going to want to change but you don't know quite exactly what it is that you want to do. Let's set up something for you to have something so you can have some money in place that's readily available available, that you can extract tax-free if you want to borrow from it.
0: Well, you also need to plan ahead for, you know, less than ideal health. It would be great if we could retire at 65, travel the world, and then just go to sleep one night and not wake up. That would be great. I I wish that for everybody.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Everybody does it different. I mean, yeah, there's certain ways that I would like to go out. And
0: uh, <laughs> now, Alzheimer's um, is not my first choice.
1: By any it's it's of my not life. anybody's first choice. I don't think so. No. And, and with that, in case that worst does happen, you know, it's better to have it and not need it
0: and then need it and not have it. That is true. And I've talked to so many people. Oh, I didn't want to be a burden on my children. So this is a way of hopefully planning ahead so that if even if you do become somewhat of a burden, it's not as big a burden.
1: Well, when we talk about burdens, let me tell you this. Um, the reason why I'm passionate about what I do with this, because women who, like you said, your dad was the breadwinner, probably. Mm-hmm. I'm assume, 90% of widows go bankrupt within the first year.
0: That's not scary. I had not heard that.
1: And then within the next 3 years the other 10% go bankrupt Yikes. no matter what economic status that they have that's on average so within the th- 3 years you can't be um you can't be dead and worry about somebody's burden at the same time so love your your spouse enough that you can set them up so they don't have to walk away from the house that you've been living in together for Number of years, a couple of decades, probably.
0: And my and parents were in if, their home. And if the wife didn't
1: work and she's gone away, you know how much it costs for daycare while you're going out making money and to take care of all the things that she took care of? That's going to cost you money now. That's and true. to take care of the kids, if they're that age, then they still need making sure that they get picked up or whatever and, and cook for them and what that costs money. So you need to have insurance on both. Both the husband and the wife need a strategy because what she takes care of, even though you don't see it as a, as a monetary um, type of deal where she's like, okay. And that's ideal, just having one person going out and, and working and somebody else, because I don't believe in other people raising my children. But we have to work. I was a single parent for 14 years. I had custody of my two daughters. And it was, thank God, that it could have went sideways at any time but I had a structure in place and I had people that will watch out for him that I trusted. And to this day, they're my best friends and they're real close. They're like family to me. And they ensured that they were taken care of, but the daycare was more than my monthly expenses. Ugh, That's not fun. It was more than my monthly expenses.
0: Never daycare
1: heard- and you, you know, it's worth it because they're your kids. That's but true. You need to have that in place in case something tra- um, the worst happens, something tragic happens to your loved one. You need to have that, you know, whatever it is that they do, there's value to that. There's value in being a home uh, homemaker. There's value in being a stay-at-home mom. There's value in being a stay-at-home dad. There's value in that because the cost to replace that is enormous. And that's just the peace of mind alone. But actual tangible... Um, value is attached to what they do.
0: And unfortunately really they mean? don't seem to value people that they don't, they don't value caregivers, whether it's a mom raising children or a dad raising children or okay. so somebody a like a myself cultural, taking care of their loved one in their home.
1: Cultural mindset. And we other need to fix countries, that. It's, it's the other way around and other in every other industrialized nation it is the other way around. Um, take for instance the corporations and they do the same same thing level level those corporations overseas that do the same things here and the industrial and the the post-industrial age that we're in their employees get five weeks off
0: yeah like mandatory
1: mandatory not just okay we're allowing you to do it but mandatory and those companies are just as competitive as the united states and and if you remember back when Ross Perot was running for president, he told him I said the average um increase in, in salary for the executives was only five percent more of the employees and here it's almost eighty percent yeah, it's a lot and and the, so the profits that they're taking at the top could pay for a lot of things the benefits that they're not getting as an employee because you have all the laws geared towards people who they just give you enough just to get by. It's like um, the saying around here is like uh, we don't get caught in the plantation of the 40-40-40 trap. You work 40 hours a week for somebody for 40 years so you can retire on living off 40% of what you used to earn while you were working.
0: Yeah, that doesn't sound like enough money.
1: No. <laughs> and I, the average um, 401k in this country is about $40,000 in the accounts. It's the average.
0: That's pretty low, especially yes. for those of us in California.
1: Yeah. And um, just to, for instance, if you want to live at, say, you want $10,000 a month, um, and that's 120000 per year, and while you say that we're living longer, so you say you want 20 years, it's $1.2 million. It's a lot of money. So what, how, fast, how fast are you saving that up? and that's you know I got a young man last year um for a hundred dollars a month. I got him one point one million dollars in in coverage. That's pretty good I think for a hundred dollars a month and he after after fifteen years and he's in his um early late twenties um about time he's forty. Thirty-eight, no, forty-two. By the time he's forty-three, he wouldn't have to pay on that anymore.
0: That sounds pretty good. I'm trying to remember. I pay two sixty-five a month for insurance for the life insurance for my husband and I. Mine is more. I think mine is seven hundred and fifty thousand, and his is five hundred thousand. It Was designed to pay off the house because that's our biggest expense. Mm-hmm. And we've only been here in May. It'll be 12 years. So obviously with a typical 30-year mortgage, we got a little ways to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. We are going to try to convert but, that to a 15-year mortgage. Work
1: this out. You have a 401k or um, deferred compensation, whatever it is, you have something that's you have to pay taxes on when you start withdrawing it. You have a 40% liability with that account. Here he's going to pay, what, $100 a month for... Um sixteen years, fifteen years, you know a hundred let's see
0: well, it's twelve hundred
1: you know he's gonna pay eighteen thousand yeah. dollars, so basically it's like one percent of That's the so one to two percent on average you you pay for the cost of insurance. When you die, you that debt that all that you paid in, into the insurance comes back in the death benefit. You get that money back, as opposed to having a four hundred one k, and it's tax free. As opposed to having a four hundred one k, we have a forty percent liability. You might have a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars. Well, what's 40% or $200,000? forty percent of two hundred thousand dollars? Forty
0: thousand. I'm like, did I do the math right?
1: <laughs> Let me help you out.
0: Well,
1: that's 80,000.
0: Oh, $80, I, I was doing, I did 20. I did yeah, 10, you 10%
1: you did twice, not you four times. It. You inverted it. So it's $80,000. Now, would you rather pay 18,000 or 80,000?
0: No, 18 is an easy easy one you know to I'm answer.
1: I'm a leverage person. I leverage. So I'm leveraging these companies To help my clients get the best of what the industry has to offer. And they fight for me. I don't work for these companies. I work for my clients.
0: Well, I think I'm going to have to make my husband listen to this episode because this is his ballpark. I'm not the financial person. I'm good. I can Mm -hmm. earn it and I'm really good at keeping it. Yeah. But you
1: got to have more savers because the average American only saves negative 2% of what they earn.
0: Negative two percent. That's chal- that's that's talented. <laughs> as, a, as
1: opposed to people in in the Asian countries, they 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 save about thirty percent of what
0: they earn. And some of those Asian countries aren't cheap to live in.
1: Now, no, be self-employed
0: forever. Some of them are very expensive. Um, Japan is expensive.
1: Shanghai is expensive. Um, but mostly, like China, is not very expensive at all. Most of mainland China, True. Hong Kong area, and then the islands off the coast of Hong Kong they're expensive but that's the, that's the western side that's because that's been that's been developed there's yeah. not a model China that really isn't developed I mean they've like gone from they've gone from um, mule carrying buggies to toting buggies to like Tesla cars because everybody rode bikes and all those people riding bikes they're driving cars now so, if any population that needs um low zero emission uh vehicles that's China because peking and uh Beijing is is on um, they were on health alerts a lot, yeah now they're going to electric cars they're they're starting to mandate more electric cars on the street because all those people that are riding bikes are driving luxury cars now because that's life cool. is cheap there it's, it's better for your brain to ride the bike. I've talked to, um, as many people as I've uh, contacted in China, they only average about 50,000, to $50,000 a year, but they can live off of that. They can buy a, a condo. They can buy a, a house and, um, they don't really have single family houses too much there unless you are living in the country on a farm or in the, in the country, just living out in the country. There's not too many single family houses, but to get a decent sized uh, condo or, or apartment is, um, it's pretty pretty common there, and only at fifty equivalent to here is like fifty thousand dollars.
0: That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can buy anything for fifty grand in this country. I mean, I don't even think you can survive unless
1: you live like in the you know in the Midwest, or what they yeah. call flower states. There's still some places you can get up and you have to live off the grid. <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, it's an option. I mean, some people like living like that, and there's nothing wrong with it. And if you if you have the skills and, and the know how and in, in, you know and the wherewithal and the, and the stick to itiveness to it, it can be done. You know, and it, and it's not an uncomfortable lifestyle with some modern conveniences with it. I mean, you can live off the grid and still live a, a very comfortable life. There's nothing wrong with it.
0: Well, um, I like the grid.
1: Yeah, everybody likes the conveniences, but. When it goes away, when you get, when you get complacent, that's when you, when those things get taken away,
0: you're like, Oh my God, what am
1: I going to do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Try living with a millennial when the internet goes down. Whoo, that was oh, no fun. Yeah.
1: Well, that's too bad. Cause <laughs> I remember when I had to, I had no choice. <laughs> I remember dial up. was great. Cause then people couldn't call you. Well, on the those landline are those are always fun but if you have any questions for me or you have anything that you, any friends have um asked you about the long-term care that you want to ask me before we um end it, i know you have some place you have to go
0: this is true i will definitely make sure all your contact is in the show notes i do that mm-hmm. for all the guests that mm-hmm. way if people have more questions or they realize hey i better get on the bandwagon here no, yeah, maybe. They, can, they can
1: reach me here if they want to come to my headquarters. I'm at 2221 Oakland Road, Suite 100 in San Jose, California, 95131. Or I'm in San Bruno. And it's 881 Sneath Lane, Suite 203, San Bruno, 94066. And right across the street from the uh, Tanfer Animal
0: I bet you most listeners not in California know where San Jose is, but San Bruno. If we can,
1: if we can, um, if you're out of state, you can contact me on zoom or you can find me on LinkedIn. um, Tim King and uh, through Pinnacle Transamerica is the, my listing and um, you can contact me there or you can reach me at T I M K, the number one W F G at gmail.com. I don't take phone calls right off the bat because I have so many people calling and they ask me weird questions. I like to filter it out through email first and then I'll give you my phone number.
0: That makes sense. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it's um it's gotten I've gotten some people calling me at all hours of the
0: night. Now I just don't do that anymore. Yeah. And that's 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 the one downfall with our technology.
1: Well yeah, this- I mean I do it. I I like to do it. If I meet you face to face, I give you my phone number. Or if I meet you um do if I interact with you like we're doing now on a Zoom or um, any kind of video conferencing? I do Zoom, I do WeChat. Um, yeah, you can contact me on WeChat H-D-R-Y-D-R underscore King. You can me, you can find me there as well. And I don't, I don't do directly um, blind anymore because there's so many people. There's so many hackers out there and there's so many, uh, invasion of privacy and people hacking your, hacking your accounts. I don't give out that kind of stuff anymore unless I see you.
0: That makes you sense. What
1: I'm doing. And then, and I'm, it's, you know, and I'm comfortable with giving out my phone number, but I do it for business all the time. If I'm face to face, I give out my card or whatever.
0: Well, this has been very informative. And like I said, I'm going to have my husband listen to this cause yeah, I'm the glad insurance
1: value is- to you today.
0: Yeah. Well, I, the whole point of starting the podcast was to impart what I've learned on this journey with my mom to people who maybe are at the beginning of the journey or people who may be newly diagnosed or newly suspecting they have cognitive impairment, but I have learned so much that it's been fantastic. And I'm coming up on my one year anniversary. Oh, nice! That, yeah, that's going to be, I'm mentally writing that episode right now. Cause I'm going to, Nice. Kind of highlight what I've learned and nice and, um try to I don't know, I gotta figure out how to make it well, nice. Yeah, let's
1: movements get started. I mean, you coming out and I applaud you for having the courage to tell your story because it, it's personal, and a lot of people wouldn't they shudder to come because there's a like I said, there's a stigma with it. and people like people are impaired, it's like the reason why it's not more prominent. And you don't hear anybody talking about it in the mainstream is because there's a stigma attached to it. And people don't really want anybody to, you know, they don't want people knowing their business.
0: That is and, true.
1: And um, I applaud you for having the courage to come out and talk about it because it is personal and it affects a lot more people than people realize.
0: That is true. Especially, something that all, like I
1: said, 78% of all of us are going into that, you know, after you're halfway through at 60, that's, that's the halfway point. So that's what I call it. And you're going to need more care than most. You know, that's the number one industry of people that are um, connected anyway to the baby boomer generation. If they can find a way to make money and the pharmaceutical companies are no different. If they can find a way to take advantage of getting into that market, they'll become successful. That's just the way it is. And then with the next generation coming up, there's even more, more people. And that, when that generation starts to retire, it's going to be even more, because I don't know what the age is going to be, the median uh, age for um, retirement then, or how long people are going to be living. Because we seem to be keeping going further and further up. Um, it's at 85 now. In, in 20 years, what's it going to be?
0: Yeah, you never know. Although I think the millennials are
1: these Kids are like, and they're eating better you know, and less people smoke and less and less as the generation is going to less and less people smoke, but now it's trying to come back with all this vaping. I don't know what's going to come of that.
0: Yeah. We keep trying to find ways to shorten our lifespan.
1: <laughs> I don't know what, because some of it comes with no nicotine. There's, there's different barriers. that so I can't keep up, but, um, I don't know what the long-term effects of that, because that's not been around long enough for anybody to, um, have a study about it. I mean, they're probably doing it now, but you know, I've seen some things where experience for scientists pulls a vape and it goes through, um, um, a chamber and it has, um, cotton fibers in it mm. and it's going through and it kind of simulates your lungs and cigarettes keep, you know, smoking cigarettes to somebody that smokes a packs a day. And I was like, that was really gross. But the, um, the vaping on, uh, with the non nicotine, um, aspect in it wasn't as, it wasn't as debilitating to the material. And, but I still don't know there could be other side effects that, you know, there's, there's more things wrong with that stuff than just nicotine. I believe and it are and, and everything else that comes with it. It's still chemicals and chemicals in your body are introduced to you in your body are not good.
0: Nope. Oh, I think chemicals is one of the reasons there's a lot more Alzheimer's. I
1: believe it is too, because it has attributes to it. But um, like I said, there's certain drugs that you get from your doctor that, that are dis- debilitating to your to your mental health as well because like i said that that some of certain these drugs are supposed to take away bad cholesterol those drugs don't discriminate they just take away all the cholesterol that you need and some of that you need your brain needs that so some of it's contributing to it that's just my opinion that's true i have to well, say that because i'm not a legal i'm not a medical professional that's true
0: but that's just well, I, my opinion. I appreciate the conversation this afternoon yes and earlier and hopefully we'll we'll be yeah, able to chat you, again anytime um,
1: hey keep in touch and if your husband has any questions just have him contact me you know how to Definitely. get hold of me I do um, <laughs> I look forward to seeing that anniversary it coming up
0: um it will be on Tuesday April 30th because I launched um, May 1st November, last year
1: if you broadcast this um and I oh yeah I need a copy of this too okay I'm somewhere where I can get a copy of this so I can I can uh, share this with some people that are dying to see how I did.
0: Okay. I could do that.
1: <laughs> All righty. Thanks a oh, lot.
0: You're and, welcome.
1: God bless uh, and have a blessed day.
0: You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. The goal for my podcast is to be that caregiving friend that you can listen to whenever you need to get a little sanity, inspiration, maybe answer some questions. But I realize listening to what I'm telling you and what my guests are telling you doesn't always answer the immediate question. There are people available 24 hours a day, seven days a week that can, and that is at the Alzheimer's Association. Their phone number is 1-800-272-3900. They've got people there every day, all day, ready to answer your questions and walk you back off the ledge if that's what you need. Thanks for tuning in to Fading Memories and as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please take a moment and give us a positive rating and review. Ratings and reviews are how new listeners find this, and they can't be a supportive podcast if people don't know I exist.